Yeah. 
close. That's, uh, that's always the challenge for us as the worship team. And it's, it's something we constantly talk about. That we want you guys to experience the presence of God. It's not about us. It's not about any one of us up here who's singing a song or the instruments we play. But rather experiencing the presence of God. And that's kind of what John's going to talk about. The beauty of God. Is that why you're here? Because I know community is, is nice at church and it's a great thing. That's something that is a gift of God. But if we miss God's presence in that and only come for community, you're missing the whole point of this thing. So that's the challenge and that's the focus of all our songs this morning. As you know what? There's nothing like God's presence. His name is beautiful. There's no name better than the name of Jesus. That's what we're, we're going to focus on. That's, that's what we want to turn you guys to. It's not me. It's not Tino. It's not Marcy. It's not Jen. That's why Jen is is free to walk away on a Sunday when she's got something to do because she knows it's not about her, it's about God. So we want you guys to see that, the beauty of the Lord, the power of His presence, coming face to face with Him yourselves. So just let that, let that be the truth. Let it not just be words you sing, but the, the cry of your heart and your soul to come face to face with God. Father, I, I thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that even now you flood this place. You come to meet each and every one of us, no matter where we are in our lives, whether in the valley or on the mountaintop. We're trusting you. Let us see that, God. Let us see that. The beauty of Jesus, your sacrifice, your love, your life for us. You laid it all down. Be with us this morning.
One more time, let's hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, just enter in right now, guys. Hallelujah. time is too sweet. Come on. Father, we thank you for allowing us to worship, God. It's funny because you don't even need our worship. You desire our worship. The ones that need to worship is actually us. There's angels in heaven singing hallelujah and holy, 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 Lord God, with the best voices, Lord God. And you don't need our voices, but you desire it, Lord. But the ones that need your presence, that needs to release worship in this place is us, Lord God, because you fill our worship. You inhabit the praises of your people. So I pray in this moment, God, that we would sense you close, sense you near, that you are proud of us, that you love us as your children, Lord God, and let us never hold back the due that is worshiped to you, God. We thank you, we love you, we honor you today. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, give God praise. You guys can be seated. You guys can be seated. What an amazing, it's going to be a good day. It's going to be an amazing day. I just want to remind us there is a, uh, there are signups for baptism. You can do it online. It's on September 24th. If you, need, if you, uh, if you have given your life to Christ and you want to take the next step, and, 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 and it's kind of like you're putting it on front street that your life is committed to Christ. If that's you, please, please, please sign up for baptism. If you have not been baptized, you have questions, uh, we can answer any questions that you have. But our desire is uh, that we are baptized out of obedience. We just trust God. And we trust God. And if he says, Jesus says, repent and be baptized, we're like, all right, that's what we're going to do. We're going to believe that Jesus is better, that his word is greater, and we're going to trust him. It is not about how we feel. It's about sometimes it is just about pure obedience to Christ. At this time, the guys are going to come forward. 
and uh, we're going to give of our, our tithes and offering. This is a time where the church, if this place has made a difference in your life or if this is the place that you're committing to as a church body, please uh, give your tithes and offering. If this you're just a guest, please don't feel any pressure to. This is what we do as we're a committed uh, family of Christ. And I'm going to pray and then we are going to run in. Is there anything I'm missing? Oh, yeah, yes, I am. So we have a hangout tonight at the Northern Lights Park. It's behind uh, Rocky Top Middle School, so 136th in York. We'll have volleyball. If you bring your own food, you can just hang out, bring blankets, chairs. Um, the kids, there's a huge playground, huge field, and we would just love to hang out with you. And then one more thing, it's the last week to sign up for Growth Track. Um, Mark and Julie Mitchell will actually leave that, lead that at their house. Um, it's free food and <laughs> after Sunday morning service. And you just get to know more about our church. Um, it's an awesome time to get to know other people too that are at the same stage in our church with you. So if you're wanting to serve, wanting to get more involved, please sign up for that today. It starts next week, next Sunday after church. Perfect, perfect. And uh, for volleyball, I'm going to wear short shorts today, so it's going to be amazing. Uh, but, but let's pray, let's pray, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we get to do this, God. It is not a have to. Lord God, I pray that today that the message and the worship and everything, Lord, just exemplifies, glorifies you, God. It is it has to not, do nothing with us, Lord God. We are a, a family that gets together that believes that Jesus is better, Lord God, better than anything in this life. I pray as we give, as we live, that that be our desire today. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, amen, amen. Thank you for your giving. Thank you for your giving. Talk to your neighbors for one second as we prepare. Yeah, tell them a nice bow tie, right? All right, if you have your Bibles, please turn to Mark 14. I'm going to have to do that again. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Mark 14. All right, we celebrate the Word of God. We believe it reveals Jesus, and Jesus changes our lives. At this time, uh, Trent's going to read Mark 14, 12 to 21, and 27 28. Hey, good morning, guys. How's it going? Everybody there? Everybody in Mark 14? Starting with verse 12. He says, And on the first day of unleavened bread, when they had sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, Where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he said to two of his disciples, and said to them, uh, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. And wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, The teacher says, Where is my guest room, where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you the large upper room furnished and ready there prepare for us and the disciples set out and went to the city and found it just as he had told them and they prepared the Passover and when it was evening he came with the twelve and they were reclining at the table and eating Jesus said to them truly I say to you one of you will betray me one who is eating with me they began to be sorrowful and to say to him one after the other is it I he said to them it is one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread into the dish with me. For the Son of Man goes, and it is written of him, but woe to that man 
by whom the Son of Man is betrayed, it would have been better for that man if he had never been born. Verse 27 and 28. And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. That's the word of God. Amen. Well, what a heavy set of verses, right? I mean, honestly, it's like these verses of betrayal. Jesus begins to say it's Passover time. They killed the Passover lamb. They're having Passover dinner. So it's the Last Supper. They, uh, Jesus starts saying, one of you, just imagine one of you in this room will betray me, right? He doesn't say it's you or guess who it is? It's Judas, right? He, he doesn't do that. He says, one of you will betray me. Then they take the Lord's Supper to the, together and, or communion together. And then at the end, he says, actually, all of you, all of you will reject me. All of you. Today, this message is something, uh, something that is, I, I think if we can grab this message, it will change your life. Tell your neighbor this is going to change your life. <laughs> Say it like you mean it. Yeah, it's going to change your life, I swear. Yeah, it's awesome. It's like Velcro. It's, gonna, it's awesome. I'm excited. I'm, I am. I'm excited to share this because last week we talked about Mary of Bethany. If you missed last week's message, you got to catch it. The whole message was called Jesus is better. And that's why she could worship the way she worshiped, right? And because uh, Mary, her alabaster jar, whatever you think is most costly to, to her, it was worth it to worship with the best that she had. Today we're continuing Mark 14, and I hope Jesus is challenging the way you look at your life, you look at your world, and the role that you play personally, not, oh, not, uh, not Hill City Church, but we personally play in life, that God has you where he has you. And so we're going to get into this. Right now, they're, these guys, they're in the upper room, right? And the time is Passover. It's the Last Supper. And Jesus foretells his betrayal of one disciple and his rejection by all the disciples. It's kind of a weird moment when Jesus is calling you out and he's foretelling his future. And now the Passover is happening. And if you know what the Passover, it was a time of remembrance, a time of, uh, of, uh, of celebration, what God did in Egypt, delivering his people from slavery. Think of this. Many of you know about Moses and, and the march and in, in the wilderness, but it, there was a Passover lamb that was that was killed, and it was its blood was put on the doorpost, on the wooden doorpost, right? And it signified the blood covering the door, and 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 this it signifies that this blood covering, right? And whoever was covered by the blood of the lamb, that's why you 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 hear like if you hear like a televangelist on TV, they're always like the blood of the lamb. You know, you you they you always see the blood of the lamb, and and but if you are new to Christianity, you're like, what what is going on here? Uh, are we doing like lamb sacrifices after this? What what is this blood of the lamb stuff? And so I'm gonna I'm gonna break that down for us. But it's uh, but in the Old Testament during the Passover, they spilled the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, and everyone that was inside, covered by the blood of the lamb, would be passed over from God's judgment, his punishment, his death. And what, what it was doing is forecasting the cross of Jesus, where Jesus was actually complete the Passover. The Passover back then was a signifying, was a sign of what Jesus was going to do and complete on the cross 
with his life. So during this Passover ceremony, Jesus speaks of his body and blood, how his blood would be poured out to cover. And now catch this. In the same conversation of saying, this is my body, this is my blood, poured out. In the same conversation, that conversation is in the middle. He tells of his betrayal and then his rejection. Why would Jesus, and just, uh, just, just uh, think with me, why would Jesus talk about his betrayal, then talk about the Passover, how his body and blood would be poured out for sin, and then he would say, you will all reject me. What is the writer trying to convey? What is Jesus trying to convey here? And, and, and I believe this. He's the writer, the way he's writing, Mark, the way he's setting this up, he's showing that the sin that killed Jesus first was not the sin of the Pharisees. It was not the sin of Pharaoh, or, or it was not the sin of Caesar, or, or of Nero, or the Romans, or some tyrant in history like Hitler. The people that who killed Jesus was not someone outside the room, he's saying, or an unbeliever. No, it was his own disciples, his closest friends. I would say today it would be the leaders of the church, or it would be the Christians. It would be you and me. I want, to, I want you to think with me what Jesus is trying to convey to us today. I have a, a first point, and I put, I am the sinner. Say, I am the sinner. See, in Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's all-inclusive. You and me. I must never forget that I, John O., put Jesus on the cross. It was my sin that put Jesus on the cross, right? We must get a hold of. This is one of the most powerful things we can do. And it's not to condemn us, but it's to free us. It's called the doctrine of sin. The doctrine of sin. The, the doctrine of sin says that we are all sinners, that there is a universal sin, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Which, and this doctrine, this understanding of sin, affects the rest of the way we view our lives and we view people and we view God, right? If you, and listen, it, it's not enough to say, okay, I've messed up. I'm better now. I said the prayer and move on. No, we must look deeper into ourselves today. And ask, what are the sins that we are capable of? Have you ever asked that question? Not what sins have I done, but what are the sins that I am capable of? What are the sins that I'm capable of? What are personal darkness? Have you ever looked into your own personal darkness or sin nature? And it's easy to see it in others, right? It's easy. Candace can point out, uh, things about my nature that I cannot see in ourselves. And this is, this is what I mean. This is what I mean. I'm, and uh, the wives are like, uh-huh, uh-huh, right? But have you ever, like, watched, like, an actor on TV or, like, or an athlete or, like, Justin Bieber? Like, you know, you, you see him on, uh, on the tabloids and you're like, what an idiot, right? Have you ever thought, what a waste of, uh, of talent. I wish I had their influence. I wish I had their money. I wish I had their opportunity because I would do it totally differently. I would do the right thing. I would honor God. I would bless people. I would even bless the church, John, right? I like it when people tell me, man, if I win, if I win that $700 million, I'll bless the church. And, and, and then I'll say, really? I, this is what I think in my head. I'm like, uh-huh, praise God, right? But in my head, I'm like, really? You think so? Then do it now. Be that now. Be that now. Because wherever you are, 
there you are. Wherever you are, there you are. And I say this, or could it be, or, and could I be, and could you end up just in the same place as Justin Bieber, right? Just in the same place as all those people, Miley Cyrus, or wh- whoever we think of when we're like, oh, I can't believe they did that. Could we, with the same temptations, with the same opportunities, with the same pressures, end up exactly in the same place, or even worse, or even worse? See, the Bible tells us that that's a, (laughs) Jesus is like, absolutely, yes. Without the grace of God, you could end up way worse. And that's what communion is. When we take communion, it's acknowledging not, not just the moment of, of sins we uh, have made, but it's acknowledging our own personal darkness in us. It's remembering the Passover that God is my Savior and I am the sinner. I put Jesus on the cross. His body and his blood was poured out for me to cover me, my sins, my shame, for his holy judgment. And, and for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us, me included. And some people in here, they're like, John, get on with it. I've heard this before. If you've been in church for a while, you're like, all right, I memorized this when I was a kid, right? Uh, I understand, John, tell me something I don't know. Give me something deep. And if that's you, I just want to say this message is especially for you then. If you've been in church for a while and you're like, yeah, I get it, uh, the universality of sin, the doctrine of sin, I get it, I've studied it, I've memorized the verses, go on, go on. If that's you, this message is for you. This message is for you. This message is actually for me. It's for me. Because you don't get it yet. You don't get what Jesus is trying to convey in this passage. Listen, I've been a pastor for years, and most Christians, and I would say most people we deal with the same issues. If you get down, if you dig down deep enough, we all deal with the same issues that we just can't get over. It's because something is wrong with us, deep within. Not just like the things that we can see and you're like, oh, I think it's this, I think. No, something is wrong with us on a deeper level. We're messed up, folks. We're in absolute need of help. And unless we acknowledge that we need help, Jesus can't fully help us. See, and, and, and let me show you something. I can tell, tell you that there's something wrong with us because there's a couple of things that we do. Number one, forgiveness. We have a hard time letting go. Forgiveness. Yes, Mo, forgiveness. Hallelujah. They looked at each other. They're like, yeah, I caught that. I caught it. I caught it. We have a hard time forgiving. And you're like, I don't have a hard time forgiving, but they're jacked up, not me, right? Uh, We have a hard time forgiving, really letting go. So we let this pain, me included, play out over and over again, and it spills into the rest of our life. And we're like, oh, uh, I'm like this because of this. I'm like, no, most of us, we have hurt and pain because of unforgiveness in us. We we have anger, or it's because it spills in, and it turns into anger, defensiveness. Have you ever been so defensive? Have you met someone, like, really defensive? It's because they don't want to be hurt again, and they're holding on to such anger. Deception, passive aggression, right? Have you, is there any, any passive aggression people here? Like, yeah, I like it. I think it's funny. <laughs> My wife is passive aggressive too. Man, there's a, there's a lot of uh, clothes on the floor. And instead of, you know, like, yeah, and, and me knowing that she's being passive aggressive, I'm like, yeah, there is. Yeah. 
There is a lot of clothes on the floor. Man, crazy. Uh, these socks look like yours, John. Pastor Gregson. Uh, uh, no, they're not mine. <laughs> and it, it's the worst. I, I'm, not, I'm not a good person. I'm sorry. But these things go through my mind, right? Or, or depression. We deal with isolation, bitterness, self-pity, all these things that lead from unforgiveness. If people could forgive and really let go, so many problems we face would finally heal. We, it would finally be resolved. We would finally be free. We would need less therapy, okay? It's true. But here is the reason we have such a hard time forgiving. And I'm going to give you a quick analogy. When someone lies about you, like a really bad lie, when someone lies about you, what are they to you? A dirty little liar, right? You're like, you liar. There is no excuse for the way you lie to me. How about when you lie? Well, John, it's a little complicated. Um, you know, you don't really know my situation. I, I'm not, I don't always lie. But when I do, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but... When it's against you, you crush them. It's like, I shall destroy you, you know? And, and, and how dare you do this to me? But when you lie, you're like, ah, my life is complex. There are these reasons, right? The problem is we refuse to put ourselves in the same category as them. We do. And I would never do something like that. You do, you lie. Yeah, which makes you liar. But we would never call ourselves a liar, but we call other people liars. We gossip, which makes you a uh, gossiper but when, i'm not a gossiper but i know this one girl she, girl don't be around her she gossips right miroslav Vaf, which is uh, which was a, a a theologian he wrote these words he said forgiveness flounders because i exclude the enemy from the community of humans even as i exclude myself from the community of sinners Woo! meaning you don't really believe that we're all sinners I make mistakes, John, but not like that. Are we blind to what we are capable of or maybe worse? The problem is we judge others by their actions and we judge ourselves by our intentions. We judge others by their actions and we judge ourselves by our intentions. So we don't offer the same amount of grace that we offer ourselves so number one forgiveness number two them say them them have you ever used the words they or them right whenever you use these words it's easier when it's when they are a them it's easier to hate them or dehumanize them right but who's them oh, oh those people right those people listen every one of us has a they or a them i don't care how nice you are you have a them trust me you do we all have internal prejudices that we are trying to work out i know it's easy to point the finger and say oh those people are prejudiced and guess what you're prejudiced that's right us too we're in here it can be ideological cultural political social economical have you ever looked down on someone who was homeless or someone who had less than you said oh man if they just work harder like i'd have if they had more opportunity if they if they would see i just i i do my own opportunity i make my own way and we we say things like that and we make an us them approach and, and so we have our own prejudices we say those people I can't stand them. They are the problem. Glad I'm not like those people. And it happens in church, right? It happens in church. Those people at Flatirons, they water down Jesus. 
Those people. Those Pentecostals, they're too emotional. Those people don't love God like we do. They don't know God. I wish God would speak to their hearts. This is Christian gossip, right? Like, it's so weird. You're like, uh-huh. And when people tell me stuff, I'm, I'm judging you. I'm, I'm totally judging you. That's, I, I'm making you a them immediately. So, uh, so don't, tell me, don't tell me things like that, please. I'm like, uh-huh. In total judgment, I'm like, oh, Lord bless you. Right? But we've, we've been seeing this on the news, too, and this is serious. With Charlottesville and all the hate and fear. And listen, I'm not downplaying Nazis and white supremacy. It's horrific. It's disgusting. But also, I'm not upplaying our blamelessness. It's easy to feel blameless when you point. When you point. I'm not upplaying our, our humanity or our sinfulness. And I want to ask you, could I hate like that? Could I be like that? Have I hated like that in the past? With a deep sense of hate. All of us have hated deeply before. But we have never made ourselves a damn. We gave ourselves an out. We're like, oh, because I, yeah, I'm complex, John. I'm complex. Listen, it's hard to love our enemies, pray for our rivals, and be a part of transformation when we dehumanize even this group of people. When they are a they, it's easy to dehumanize. That's why Pastor Martin Luther King said this, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And if we truly believe we are all sinners, we must hold the Ephesians 2.8, only by grace we are saved, only by an act of God coming after me, not of myself, covering me, loving me. Romans 5.10 says, for while we were enemies of God, Jesus came after us. Not the best of us, but when we were enemies, you were a they to God. I was a they to God. I was his enemy, if not for the grace of God. If not for the grace of God. Listen, family, we have, all, we have all done some messed up crap. I'm just being dead honest. I know that in my past, I could have easily, this sounds crazy. I know that in my past, I could have easily gone to prison. Many of you in this room too. We have done some crazy stuff, right? Easily gone to prison. I just didn't get caught. So if I sit here and I look at someone with a felony record and I look below them and dehumanize them, I'm no better. I'm no better. Just because you didn't get caught doesn't make you better, right? Without grace, I'm the same. Some of us in this room, we too could have lost our family. That's right. We too could have lost our business, could have went homeless, could have went bankrupt, gone into depression. But by the grace of God, there go I. That is a beautiful thing to think about. But by the grace of God, there go I. You were given opportunity. You were given talent by God. He put you in the right timing. You, the right business partner came in. It wasn't because you're awesome. It's because God's awesome. This amazing wife comes into my life. You think I did this? You know it's not true. You look at my wife, then you look at me. You look at what kind of person she is, then you look at what kind of person I am. You know it is the grace of God. You know it. And, and everyone says, they say to me, John, you're so lucky to have her, right? 
That's grace. There is no superstars in Christianity. I'm telling you. There is no superstars in Christianity. At the foot of the cross is level. We are all on the same plane at the foot of the cross. Sinners in absolute need of the grace and the love and the, and, and of God. We need Christ that much. You need Christ as much as every person you think is a they. We are in absolute need of God. Because Jesus wanted everyone in this room to know this. So I want to say this. Don't buy into your own hype. Don't buy into your own hype. When pride comes, man, there comes the fall. It's true. When pride comes up, there comes the fall. Now the betrayal. I'm going to the betrayal. Not, if, not that that's not heavy enough to think about. Here's the betrayal. And this is the good part. It's funny. In, in Christianity, the bad parts are the good parts because we have Christ. We have Christ. Now to the betrayal. Why didn't Jesus call out Judas? Can you imagine Jesus sitting in this room and calling out your deepest, darkest sins? Right? Well, if he did, we would all run screaming, right? We are like, I'm out. I'm out. Right? But why didn't Jesus call out Judas? Why was he so vague and said, one of you will betray me? It's because I believe that Jesus wanted everyone to look into their own hearts. Everyone to look into their own darkness, their motives. Listen, we might not be Judas, but we all have a little Judas in us. We might not be Judas, but if we really check, we all have Judas in us, all of us. Jeremiah 17, 9 says this, and I put a Judas heart. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who could understand it? And you see this deceit come up during hard times. In these moments, we think, God, I'm doing everything right. I'm not sleeping around. I'm treating people right. I give my tithe. I serve faithfully. Then why am I not being blessed, God? Why can't I find a better job? Why am I not married? Or why don't you take care of me? Then the part of you thinks, is this even worth it? Is this Christianity thing even worth it? Should I even serve? Why do I even do this? And that's the Judas in you. That's the Judas in me. That's bad religion. That God, you owe me ideology. Like Jesus was a fair trade for you, right? That's like getting Kyrie Irving from someone from the Nuggets, right? It is not a fair, Jesus is not a fair trade for you, right? How can we even stand back and have a Judas heart when Jesus was given for my sins? See, religion says, I obey, therefore I'm accepted. God owes me, I've been good. But the gospel says, I'm accepted, therefore I obey, because I owe him everything. Some of us have a hard time with Jesus because the Judas heart has crept in to our lives. Is it you? Is it me? But here's the good news. There's another heart, a merry heart, a merry heart. We talked about her last week, how she sat at the feet of Jesus and gave her costly gift and poured out on Jesus this costly gift, even wiping his feet with her hair. And I talked to you last week that the, the woman's hair in the Bible, in, in, in Jewish culture, was her glory. It was her worth. And so for her to unveil her hair, which she would only do for her husband, it was that sort of private thing. I know it's not like that today, right? But, and she took that glory, that beauty, and wiped it. Jesus' feet with it, the dirtiest thing on him. 
representing my, my glory is nothing, Jesus. You are better. You are better. Mary's heart, it's beautiful. She gave all she had to Jesus, all she had, all she was. It was, it was only, we look at Mary, what Mary did, and we're like, that's extravagant. But it was only extra, not extravagant to her because she believed that Jesus was God. When we believe that Jesus is God, something different happens to us. The extravagance is not that extravagant. If we truly believe Jesus is God and he headed to the cross for my sins and the sins of the world, and Mary had a proper view of Jesus. To Mary, Jesus is better, better than anything. The gift was nothing compared to knowing him, loving him, worshiping him. Jesus wasn't useful. Say useful. Jesus wasn't useful to Mary like it was to Judas. See, Judas traded out for uh, 40 pieces of silver for, to, G, to sell out Jesus because Jesus was no longer useful to Judas. See, Mary, she, she gave out her, her best. Judas changed sides when it was no longer useful. To Ju- Jesus is not useful to Mary like Judas. Jesus to Mary was beautiful. Beautiful. And I, I, I want to give you an analogy of my own life. I love the mountains, right? I really, who loves the mountains here? Who loves the beach? Yeah, my wife is all, is all about the beach. I'm like, you want to go to the mountains? No, but we should go to the beach sometime soon, right? But I love the mountains. And uh, my friend Paul, he shared his love of the mountains by taking me backpacking. And how many of you guys have been backpacking, Right? He's like, I want to invite you to backpacking. And uh, here's us backpacking right there, right? All these amazing pictures. But I first thought that backpacking was going to suck, honestly. Like, really, you want me to put 60 pounds on my back? And I've done it with Gino. And then we're going to walk up this hill, like, for hours? Like, that, that doesn't sound awesome. It sounds like my knees are going to give out, right? But I thought it was going to be horrible. But, uh, but I will do this because I love Paul, right? And I find it's useful to getting to know Paul better, connecting with Paul and, uh, and being a Coloradan because Coloradans love the outdoors and I'm, I'm way too Californian, right? But so I begrudgingly went backpacking. And listen, I didn't have any of the gear for backpacking. I didn't have a sleeping bag or a backpack. They're expensive, man. I didn't have a stove or a pot or a pan or a waterproof jacket or hiking shoes or a tent and on and on and on. The head flashlight, the weird gloves, the fire starter, the knife, the string. You got to buy a bunch of stuff, right, to go backpacking. Because when you're missing one of those things, you're like, "Who, who brought the water purifier? No, we are all going to get sick, right? Right? And so you need all this stuff. So I literally borrowed everything from Paul. So he paid for it all. Think about this. For my experience, to experience this journey backpacking, Paul paid for everything. He had the extra backpack, all the extra gear. But he knew something that I didn't know. He experienced something up there that I have never experienced, and he wanted to share that with me. I thought that, sleep, that backpacking was sleeping in the cold and hiking forever and wearing a 60-pound pack. It sounds like torture. But as I began to walk up this mountain, look at those beautiful pictures. And we set up camp, and I cleared my mind, and I started to see the view from the top. The things, you know when someone explains you something beautiful, and you're like, uh-huh, 
that's awesome. And you're really thinking, okay, get on with it. <laughs> like a trend, he just went on a trip to Oregon, and, and he's like, oh, man, I saw this thing and this one. I'm sure that was great, Trent. That's fantastic. But I can't, when you don't experience it, you don't understand the beauty of it. And then I was up there, and I saw the view from the top. I saw the sunset over the mountains i saw the brightness of the stars like you would never see before and 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 i experienced something beautiful with a close friend we had the best time we had the deepest conversations and it was very refreshing i and you can see franco up there it was very refreshing even though it was cold right and today my garage is full of backpacking gear full just of a lot of junk that you don't need. I'm like, uh, why do I need five fire starters? I don't know, but I have them, right? Why do I need another different kind of bug spray? I don't know, but it's smaller, so I'll buy it. And it's funny because I no longer find backpacking useful to getting to know people. I find it beautiful because someone was willing to pay my way to see what they saw. Think about that with me. Today, Jesus was willing to pay my way to show me something so much more beautiful that I could not experience on my own. And I want to ask us today, is Jesus beautiful? Is Jesus beautiful? Because when Jesus is beautiful, he's, it's, he, it's easy to worship. When you find it hard to worship, it's because we are trying to find Jesus more useful. Like, okay, Jesus, I better do this worship thing. No, when you find him beautiful, it's just, man, it's, it's like passion starts to flow through you. And worship is beautiful. Serving, you, when you serve and you find Jesus beautiful, you find it, you're grateful to serve. It's weird. It's the weirdest thing. And sometimes I, I get to do this pastor thing but I'm grateful to do it. And it's like, it's, it's such a weird thought, but it's because I, there's moments in my life that Jesus is very useful, but there's moments that Jesus is so beautiful and I'm so honored that I can sing, that I can speak today. I'm honored to do it, not as a job, not as something I have to do, but it, I'm honored to do it because Jesus is beautiful and he paid the way so I can experience this beauty in life, in people. When you find people no longer beautiful, it's because God is just useful and people are just useful. You have to see the beauty. Reading God's word is wonderful. It's refreshing. Prayer is something you want to do. And people become human again when Jesus is beautiful because you start walking with him and you fill your life with joy. When Jesus is useful, faith is arduous. It's hard. It is. When you faith is hard, it's a switch of mind. It's a switch of God. Help me see you in the right frame of mind. When Jesus is useful, it's a contract. I'll do this for you, you do that for me. I'll work hard for you, you give me a ticket to heaven. And, 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 and it's crazy. It's not a, it, 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 at some point you will give up. Everything becomes work when it becomes religion, when it's something I have to do instead of Jesus is beautiful and I adore to do this. It becomes church attendance, not church wanting to honor and glorify God and today as we are 
the guys are passing out communion, I want to ask you, and you ask yourself, when you, when you receive the communion, just, just, just bow your heads and take a moment and ask, is Jesus beautiful? Is it like that mountaintop, whatever your thing is, that you find just beautiful, and you look down and the sun is setting, or when you've seen your child born, or when, you, or when you've just like walking with my wife hand in hand, and I find it just like, dear God, this is so wonderful, God. I'm so grateful. When you find something beautiful, it is not hard to do. When you find your faith so hard to do, I believe we have lost the beauty in Christ. So just think with me. Take a moment and pray. Just take a moment. Ask yourself, is Jesus beautiful or useful? And I pray that God would convict all of our hearts because that's what he did in the upper room during Passover with the guys. He wanted all of them to know that we are all sinners. We are all in need. I put Jesus on the cross. And we are in absolute need of God's grace. But by the grace of God, there go I. Heavenly Father, be with us today. Look into our hearts, God. On that night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And I want you to think about it personally because that's how I do it. And he says, this is my body broken for you, John. Broken for you, Megan. Broken for you, Mark. Broken for you, Cole. Broken for you, Franco. And he says, as you receive it, think of me. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take bread together. Thank you, Lord. I don't know about you, but my heart just fills with gratitude. I don't deserve the life that I have, God. The opportunities that I get. And I think of the cross and the body broken for me. God, I am so utterly grateful, God. On that same night, he took the cup. And he said, this is my blood poured out for you. And in your mind, you'll say your name for me. For the new covenant that you don't need to work to get to me because you can't get to me because I'm not useful. So I came after you. And as you drink of this, learn to find me beautiful. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the cup together. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you that we are both sinner and saints. By the cross of Jesus, we thank you, we honor you, and as we leave today, God, 
we leave so humbled at the feet of Jesus. Joyful, joyful. Lord God, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. God bless you guys. Get to know one another and just think about this this week. Think about this this week. Let it, let it be a meditation of your heart this week. God bless you.